Welcome to the Too Rich to Miss podcast with your host, Mr. Too Rich, your Southern urban voice, a place where relevant, rich conversations are had with professionals providing insights and innovative solutions that will help you move your business, career, and life to the next level. Here's your host. What the deal, everybody? Welcome to the Two Rich Demons podcast. On this week's podcast, we have got Philip from Madrid, Spain, software developer, had an amazing conversation with this man. Um, it was great to talk with him. He dropped some amazing gems for anybody wanting to get into being in, in, into software development. Um, and talked about coding boot camps. He talked about, oh, oh my God, it's just great, amazing conversation. I'm going to stop talking. Let's hop right into it. The Too Rich to Miss Podcast. All right. And um, I did a little look and I was, um, I had actually been listening to your podcast and, uh, and uh, checking out uh, what you got going on. And I, um, and originally, I kind of, I, I I'm be honest with you, I had one way that I wanted to kind of do it. And then after listening to your podcast some more, I was kind of thought about it again. I was like, well, he interviews people and he's been interviewing people and he helps people interview with their interviewing skills. So uh, doing this like a normal interview might be rather, might not be, uh, might kind of put you off. So. <laughs> so, so as I said, he's so wrapped into the interviewing thing. I said, let's not do this as a um, interview, you know. So I kind of want to just have more of a conversation per se, and uh, and just kind of walk through a few. Um, I've made some notes on a couple things that I want to try to make sure that I talk about. Uh, mm -hmm. But because you're really a, you're actually a very interesting uh, individual, you fall right into what I like to talk about and the people I like to talk to. I like to talk to real people doing real things. And I noticed that a lot of people that the, the real people that are doing real things have like a following this big. And the people who are doing like a whole lot of nothing but talking, they have followers that are astronomically <laughs> large. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and even just listening to your interview advice, um, it's just really some good stuff that you were talking about. Now I'm obviously not a developer. Um, I, I talk, um, but uh, but I but being in the job market and corporate for a long time, the things that you mentioned just from the interview side uh, were very practical. And I was sitting there thinking someone as yourself being a being a developer and you've been a developer for over 10 years, right? It's a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, well, yeah. I'm, yeah. You know, I, I got kids that are drinking age. So it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> so, but it, it really wowed me that in your field with the professional people and the very highly technically advanced that you have to be to be a programmer and to do that, that you would still have to, that you would still actually see people who would come into an interview with 
body odor issues? I mean, that really happened? Yeah, strangely enough. Um, the funny thing is with technology and all the rest, the technology part of it can often be the easiest part of the job. The hardest part can actually be dealing with people. And an awful lot of software developers have that kind of stereotype that they're not people people, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. it's that you put a computer in front of them and they're wizards, but you put a per person in front of them and they don't know how to interact. So I mean, like a big part of, I guess, a, a lot of the podcasts I do and a lot of the mentoring and interview advice and whatnot, it's just getting people to understand how to interact with those kind of people correctly. So if you're going to interview, dress well, present yourself well, it's not about what you know, but it's also that, do they like you? Do they want to work with you? Not just do they want your skills. Now, is that something that you've um, found? Uh, well, interviewing now, obviously different, especially going into what we're into right now uh, with the world. Has it been different with interviews? I mean, because I haven't had to interview in a long time, uh, especially not in this. I mean, I've done one um, when I was uh, doing our support, doing tech support. Um, I did one that was a video interview like this, but most of mine have been face to face. How different is it doing interviews like 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 this or or has that been common in the tech field? Um, no, it's quite common. So like from my personal experience, I've been working remotely full time for about five years now, not just for COVID and all the rest. Interviewing can be quite different. There are certain, I suppose, cues that you can't pick up on both as an interviewer and as a candidate. But there are other things you can pick up on. And uh, a big thing I like to say to people is look at every pixel on the screen of the person you're looking at, not just the things they're talking about, but it's like, what's their background like? What's their desk like? How are they dressed? Do they look happy? Things like that. Like there, there are other cues you can pick up on. You just have to learn what they are and learn, learn what the value is for them. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, random funny question. What is the weirdest thing that has happened when you're interviewing a candidate and has that weird thing made you say, you know what, I shouldn't hire this person? Or did it kind of be like, I should definitely hire that person? <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how much time do we have? Oh, we got left. <laughs> I suppose the weirdest thing, like I find with interviews is that you see people and they have these amazing resumes, like amazing. And then when you actually, whether you're sitting in front of them or you do the video call or whatever, and they're all hat, no cowboy, it's all flashy stuff. But then when you actually dig in with questions and try and get into the specifics of things, they freeze. And they're just like, it's like, okay, I need you to work with me here. Give me some answers. Give me something to work with. Because obviously when you see a desirable CV, you think, okay, that's a great candidate, but you need them to reciprocate the interest and, and bring that to you. Right, so like right. the biggest flag for me is interviewing someone is do they pay, do they take part in the interview if that makes sense mm, okay yeah do they actually uh go back and forth with you and converse with you i enjoy like this it's a discussion it's not just like one person asks you questions and you say yes or no and then just sit there wait for the next question it's like engage with the interviewer have a bit of a report like it, it stands to you later on when they make a decision Oh yeah, I loved what you said um, in the podcast about the job, the uh, the JavaScript joke uh, when you were dealing with the real the, the real hardline guy, and he asked you, "What did you think about uh, Java?" You just told him they didn't know any, they didn't know anything. Nobody knows anything. It's, it's terrible. Or, it's all yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's all terrible. 
<laughs> I thought that was classic. Now, it was really, I found it to be intriguing as well. You have lived all around the world um, in doing what you do. Is that right? Well, worked all around the world. So worked I've spent world. a little bit of time in the U.S. in Boston, but most of my work oh. has been in Dublin, Ireland. And about two years ago, I moved my wife to Madrid, Spain. But like I've worked in companies all over the place, I've traveled all over. And at the moment, I work with a distributed team between Ireland, Spain, New Zealand, and some people in the UK. So, Oh, wow. How was it working in Boston? How was Boston? What did you think about the United States? That kind of brings me into one of the questions I just wanted to ask you in general. What did you think um, about the U.S. versus over there? Were you like, get me out of here? <laughs> it was fun. Uh, and definitely there's a difference between visiting for a short, short term versus living for a long term. Um, one thing that kind of struck me as really strange, and I guess coming from Europe, where we have like really strong employment laws, I remember there was people over in, in the company I was working in Boston, and it's like they were afraid to take days off or like they had maternity leave, but their maternity leave was one week. You kind of go, wow, that's like such a heavy contrast where like in Europe, in most places, maternity leave is like, six months and things like that so it's like hey in most cases yeah if it's not company paid there'd be like state paid and the company makes up the difference or they, they do things they work it out wow. but i mean like there's much stronger employment laws here so seeing how people reacted to the less rights they had i, I found american people worked more and worked harder and, and actually got more project work done which was fantastic but at the same time, the reason behind that was kind of scary. Oh, my God. That's interesting. <laughs> so it's, so being a developer actually made you to kind of peek through the curtain and say, oh, okay, um, I'll, I'll go back over. I'll stay where I am. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, but no thank you. It's, you know, I'll, I'll go to this team over here. Wow, that is interesting. <laughs> I guess I need to get out of the country more. <laughs> I Let recommend me, this, absolutely. Okay, well, so that kind of breathes me into something else I wanted to just get your views on and just um and just ask you about. Now, I know you said you didn't know anything about it, but as a real developer, um I'm very curious about your um your first your thoughts on blockchain as a technology. Do you see it as something that's as complimentary like, "Oh, okay, this is cool." Or are you kind of like, oh, my God, they're going to destroy everything? What is your stance? Um, okay, so I'm not in the blockchain space. I'm right. going to preface the rest of my answers. But from the, the bits I've read and the, the people I've talked to and all the rest, there seems to be this big thing, and I know you're really big into crypto, but uh, there seems to be this big thing of how like blockchain is going to destroy capitalism and it's going to free the people from the tyranny of the banks and all this kind of stuff. No. It's not going to happen. It's going to be regulated into strangulation eventually. That's how I see it. And it seems to be moving that way. But banks and financial institutions are using blockchain technology for other things. They're using it for things like claim processing. They're using it for identity. They're using it for smart contracts. They're using it for payroll. They're using the very tool we were supposed to use against them for their own benefit. And I can definitely see blockchain becoming used an awful lot more in service industry kind of stuff. So you have things like escrow services that are being run exclusively by blockchain. And then things like paying artists based on how many times their songs are played and stuff like that, because mm -hmm. you have this immutable ledger. You can't cook the books. It's pretty 
solid. It's chronologically sealed. It's cryptologically sealed. Is that a word? Mm -hmm. Crypto. I'll get back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cryptographically yeah. sealed. Yeah. You know, it's irreversible. It is just a statement of facts, effectively. So, I mean, people are using that as, you know, a irrefutable list of transactions for later on doing things. And I think that's where blockchain is going. Blockchain, I think, as a technology is still in its infancy. It's mm -hmm. still like magic for an awful lot of people. But I think over time, just like what happened to machine learning and uh, AI and stuff like that in the last 10 years, where 10 years ago, it was this sorcery way out there. And now, like, there's books of it in every store in the world. The same is going to happen with blockchain. Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely totally agree. I mean, I like the technological side of it for the things that you were mentioning about, uh, because at buying a house, for example, I mean, oh, God, I mean, at the paperwork here was insane and being able to have any parts of that <laughs> process to be to be automated would be just phenomenal you know but i mean and i do agree with you on the parts of the regulation you know and that's really one of the reasons why i'm i'm big on it now uh, because it's in its infancy and i do definitely feel like a lot of the big gains can be probably pulled out kind of like in this early phase mm -hmm. before the regulators really get in and suck the life and the value out of it and you got to jump through 500 hoops just to make the same hundred dollars that you make yes. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting um but i definitely like the future of it from a technological point standpoint you know um i often hear people talk about and this is something else i wanted to get your thoughts on <laughs> uh, which i i briefly heard a podcast about it that you did about it um and i see a lot of people doing it now and i'm not sure if it's viable what do you think of the people that are starting these quote unquote coding camps uh that are teaching the new quote unquote blockchain languages i mean is that really a thing or shouldn't they actually go through community college or something i mean it just seems a little i don't know there, there are a ton of boot camps, which I guess aren't the most regulated. It's a little bit like the Wild West. There are some fantastic coding boot camps out there. Now, again, not speaking from the blockchain perspective, but it's just mm -hmm. a general coding perspective. Right. People who want to do web, web apps or like mobile apps or whatever. There are some really great resources out there. But there's also a ton of shysters who are just like, yeah, it's six grand. We give you six months of courses and they just regurgitate some crap they find on Google. And then people end up, if they end up completing the course, they find they're ill-equipped for the job market or they end up spitting out of the course because they're like, this is uncoordinated, it makes no sense. And then they realize later on it's a bit of a, a ruse in effect. If and somebody, oh, I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but if somebody did want to look at, um, go down that route, what should they look for as far as, is there any telltale signs that be like, stay away from this one or look a little bit deeper into this one? So an awful lot of boot camps that are out there, they organize their groupings into what's called cohorts. And then every kind of six months, they'll have a new cohort. Definitely try and find one that has had a previous large amount of groups. Um, like follow the people on Twitter who went to those courses, ask them questions. Don't be afraid to reach out and say, hey, I was thinking of going to whatever college. What was it like? How did you find it? Did you find a job afterwards? Did the name carry weight in the industry? Anything that's kind of puffed up in the last six months or a year, like obviously use caution 
anything new hasn't been verified and therefore I don't know if it could be trusted. But I mean, there are long established boot camps out there that, okay, they're not accredited, but they do produce very good quality graduates and they have got great courses. Oh, okay. So it's not, so it is a thing to go to a boot camp and not have a previous four year degree, but be able to show and prove to be to still actually get into as, as far as your case, a development job developing traditional software of some sort. If you put the work in. If you put the work in properly. But I mean, like there's, you don't need a degree or a piece of paper to get into software. And this is something I realized kind of far too late, actually after I did my degree, (laughs) (laughs) which is like the best time. So um, like I I did my, I started my degree back in 2006 and I finished in 2010. Oh, okay. What was really great, which was the Irish government that was living in Ireland at the time, they kind of half pay for your college. Oh, that's so I mean, cool. like, I think it only worked at a like 3000 a year or something to go to university, which was great. So I was able to pay for that with a part-time job and then come out with all the rest. And then I came out with a degree, which was great. But everything I did in a real project, real employment aspect had absolutely nothing in common. Nobody ever asked to see my degree. Nobody asked for verification. Nobody asked for the grade. I don't even know where it is. It's probably still in my parents' attic. Oh, wow. And it's like... I, I feel like I could have spent those four years either like freelancing or working on my portfolio or interning or something like that. And that would have stood better for my career. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cause you could have probably been a lot further ahead versus yeah, exactly. taking those. Oh, okay. 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 Well, here's another uh, fun type of question. And I like to Try, try to keep it real. Try to keep it real light. Uh, was there any fun and interesting things that you did or saw while you were in Boston? Anything intriguing? Um, not really. Like the, the unfortunate thing was I was there for business. So we spent an awful lot of time in the office. Oh, okay. We did go drinking a few nights and that was great fun. Um, fireball whiskey, is it? The stuff that tastes like cinnamon? That yeah. Nice. It, I yeah. really enjoyed that. Oh, okay. drink it too much, <laughs> but um, nothing, nothing too crazy. <laughs> nothing too crazy. Okay, all right. That's a, I could, I could get with that. I get with that. Uh, let me see here. Just kind of glancing through my notes here. <laughs> um, this is this has been really this has been really cool, and I always find it fascinating to to speak with people from different parts of the country and different parts of the world. Um, especially now in this particular time is it's so much easier to talk to people. Um, how has your consulting services been going since the, um, the pandemic has kind of been doing its thing? Have you got it a real big uptick or, or has your job kind of said we're slammed never stop working? So uh, I actually kind of do two things at the moment. I do work full-time as a software developer for another company. And oh, okay. then I also kind of do my consulting stuff on the side. And then I have other side projects because, you know, make hay while the sun shines. Right. Um, definitely for anyone out there, the more sources of income you have, the better. True. And definitely relying on multiple sources rather than a single one. And I know everyone kind of got a bit of a shock with COVID where jobs just disappeared. Now, you know, touch wood, wine hasn't disappeared yet and, and long may that last. But uh, definitely having other things to fall back on was great. And then mm-hmm. I kind of started the podcast and the consultancy aspect of it around the time that COVID started. So that kind of helped in a little way because there were people who were like, okay, I want to pivot towards tech now because 
the job I have at the moment, I don't see that lasting. You know, I want to get a new skill and, and get ahead effectively. So that was great in a sense because people were coming on Twitter at the same time and asking me questions like, hey, I see you have experience. How do I get a job? How do I interview? Can I do a mock interview? And I was like, how much would you pay for that? And then it's like, it kind of took off from there nicely. And the same things with mentorship. I do kind of light touch mentorship. Oh, people okay. are kind of like, you know, I'm learning to code. I need a guiding hand. I don't need someone to tell me what to do, but I need a resource. I can just kind of say, hey, what do you think of this? Or I did this this way. Is that the normal way? Is this to a professional standard? And then just having conversations with them about it, things kind of slowly took off. That is actually a very valuable, a very invaluable resource um, in any business. I mean, well, that speaking just from myself and then from even just going into voiceover, if you don't have the right people, people will happily take your money and tell you it's on the right side of the room when it's really on the left side of the room now, you know, just for, for example. And, uh, and even it's just always refreshing. Uh, just to even hear your content. Um, it's, it's just cool. I mean, cause you run into somebody who's actually saying something real. Um, cause like I said, and I could now, I don't know, I don't know anything about the programming side, but when you were talking about the corporate stuff and when you're talking about the interviewing stuff and when you're talking about, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, okay, this, he's, he's on to something. And, you know, and you're really connecting the dots. And especially now when people are realizing, like me and many others, that uh, technology is, is really where it's at. I mean, and, and granted, I have my reasons for being in, on the blockchain space. Uh, but from a technological space, a coding space, any of that software is going to be it. It's going to be it. It's undeniable. Absolutely. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead, please. <laughs> Just software in general. Yeah. So like anyone who's on the fence, uh, it doesn't matter what your age, what your background, what your anything, now is the time to get into technology. But everything that's happened with COVID, like everything's been slowly going through the digital transformation. And you've probably seen that if you're buying a house, if you're applying for a loan, you're not seeing those paper forms anymore. They're all online forms. And then instead of that paper form being rubber stamped by a manager and then being sent off to say an actuary or underwriter team, getting reviewed, entered into a system, processed, a report spat out, goes back to the manager and then you're called into the office and your hand is shook and you're like, here's your mortgage. It's just an online form now that goes directly into the bank system and then an automated system will send you an email back to say yes or no. So it's cutting out the people aspect of it and it's cutting out those jobs. But that's only half the story because people say, oh, technology means job loss. It doesn't. If you can learn programming or learn the things around it, like programmers need business analysts, they need project managers, they need product owners, they need subject matter specialists. This is people's chance to pivot with technology and then be a part of those new products being delivered. So you think of those, the service we described where it's a digital form, you fill it in, it goes to the bank and you get an email back. Okay, anyone can, any software developer can write that, but to actually know the bank's rules, to know the laws that go into that, what they legally have to say or not say, how they get your consent, how they verify your identity, you need people from inside the bank to say that. So if you, as a person working in a bank, learn software development or learn peripheral things around it, you can pivot with that digital transformation 
and still have your job or a better paying job, depending on how things go, once the bank fully makes that transition. And it's the same in every industry. Everything's changing now. Tier one support for tech support is gone. And it's a robot voice and they say, what do you want? Do you want to talk about your mortgage? Do you want to talk about a loan? And it does that filtering out for the bank. So it's only tier two support onwards. That's an actual person. So while companies are still making that shift, we're still deciding to make that shift. Now's the time to upscale and be ready to hop on the technology surfboard on the crest of that wave. I totally agree all around. I totally agree all around. I mean, and it's, I couldn't have said it better. Um, couldn't have said it better. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, because it's it, it's a fact. We are we're in a changing time, you know, um, all around, and we can't. We're no longer in a place where we can just keep our head in the sand, uh, and it's and it's global as well, which is the best thing that I like about technology and why somebody such as yourself and I definitely wanted to highlight the point that you you've because of your work you've been able to live in these different places in the world. You know, um, and and the thing that I would say to people in America, um, you know, just in case there is whoever you do or don't like, whichever, it don't really matter to me. Uh, but whatever you do or don't like, if your skills are right and you are developing and you can do something like you're doing and you can get with a company that's international because they don't care that we're over here. They just care that we can do it. That's right. And effectively, yeah. Like as long as you can demonstrate value and demonstrate that you can generate revenue for a company they'll pay you and they'll pay you a lot of money to do software development work the great thing about technology in general is it's not like say a traditional structure where you get paid on the amount of time you're there so you're there 10 years you move into the new pay bracket you make it to 20 you get a gold watch and then they kick you out it's more like a meritocracy in a way so the more value you can demonstrate the cooler things you can do the more revenue you can make for a company the more they're going to pay you. So it's really what you invest in yourself is what you get out of it then later on with the, the types of things you'll make. Hmm. Makes sense. Speaking of which, what would you say is the coolest project that you've worked on or either made? <sighs> That's a hard question. And I work on boring projects. <laughs> probably, probably the coolest thing. I, okay, so I, I haven't been working on like algorithms that sequence genes and cure cancer. You know, what I mean? oh, like okay. I do boring stuff like data entry, data visualization, uh, communication services, stuff like that. Oh, the coolest okay. thing I ever worked on was about, I want to say eight years ago, I worked in a small finance company for about five years. Oh, and we okay. developed tools for traders. So these are things like dashboards, charts, uh, price alerting systems, portfolios, all this sort of cool stuff. Oh. Um, one of the coolest projects I ever worked on was a visual entry and exit system for trading. Hmm. So you could basically define on a grid, like I want to enter a trade if the daily price to close goes off, goes over my 30 day running average and my RSI is a certain value. And depending on whatever other values, they also go up, I'm going to enter. And then later on, you could graphically define an exit strategy, which is if the price plummets below X or it plummets below whatever other technical indicator, get out as fast as possible. 
So working on something like that was super cool because it, it was all effectively algorithmic trading then rather than having to wait and click and, you know, go by feeling or whatever. You know, they, I was, um, <laughs> there's this guy in the crypto space. He's actually in, um, Sweden. Uh, Ivan on tech is what his handle is. He was literally just talking about a tool that him and his, his team just created. They're obviously going to resell it. Um, but he just literally was talking about something that he created um, that does pretty much what you're talking about, uh, which, and he's obviously showing it off because they're like, I say, he's going to resell it, but it, you know, but aside from that, and, um, and it's literally doing what you were talking about. He had the chart and on the chart, he's got, you know, um, the bullish, you know, the bullish signals, mm -hmm. he's got the bearish signals. Well, the bearish and the bullish signals. And then he's got a cloud that kind of changes colors based on, you know, whether it's about to go drop or whether it's about, about the run, yeah. about the pop. And then there's um another thing that's, um well, it's over in the crypto industry anyway, it's called on-chain analysis, which kind of just monitors, it's a bot essentially is what it is, that monitors what's going on on the chain. And, you know, based on specific coins or whatever. Um, and I'm just, when you mentioned that just then, and there's another guy who he called his, well, Ivan is calling his the BSI. Um, and there's a few ways you can go with that. You know, you could, if you wanted to joke, you could say it's the bullshit indicator if it doesn't work. <laughs> or, you know, I like that. <laughs> you know, but he obviously calls it something else more creative. But, um, yeah. but, uh, uh, had you ever thought about just recreating and just reselling some of these type things? Cause there's another guy who there's people all over the internet who says that they have these magical indicators, which, and of course just, it's just tracking data. Um, do you, is that a part of one of your side hustles too? Or, or are you behind one of these great projects? That's <laughs> no, no, believe it or not. After I left that company, I totally just dipped out of finance. And for a few oh, reasons, okay. one, um, for me, I'd, uh, at the time, you know, again, I'm not a, a financial guru, so take anything I say with a pinch of salt. Mm. For me, it looked like the future was algorithmic trading, purely algorithmic trading. And of course, for that, you'd need processor power, you need real-time prices, you need actual proper prices, like from a Bloomberg terminal, not just like some crap you scrape off Google Finance or whatever. Right. All of that costs an awful lot of money to get. And then getting the fire hose of prices and trying to real-time process that put your own money, your own skin in the game as well. I was like, man, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> this was like, I left this company like six years ago when they were bought over. They were bought over by another company and a lot of our IP was packaged up and sold with this company that took us over. And I was like, okay, I've got the tech smarts for it, but I don't have the financial smarts for it. And I, I don't want to put myself into that space if I'm not sure I'm going to get something out of it. And at the time, like I was much younger, I had other stuff going on. It's like, it's not the right time. Maybe in the future, who knows? But, oh, okay. Uh, kind of decided just to play it safe. And I'm, I'm happy I did. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so there's no, you're not on call of duty or nothing like that. You, you can't tell your son, you see when you shot that guy just then, that was my code that did that. dude. <laughs> No, just boring stuff. Like the stuff I do at the moment, it's all communications based. So I mean, like if you get an email from a bank, it probably came from one of my systems. But I mean, oh, okay. that's, 
bank emails aren't always fun so i'm not going to claim credit for that you know right yeah yeah yeah. that makes sense that makes sense that makes sense well you know we are actually coming up on about 45 minutes here i definitely wanted to keep it short i appreciate your time you know it's so very it's I appreciate it. Phenomenal conversation. Uh, plug any of your websites or any of the things that you got going on. Sure. So um, if anyone likes what you hear, you can go to speakingsoftwareshow.com where I have my podcast. I also have full transcripts of all the episodes. So if you don't want to listen, you want to read instead, it's all there in text. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram. Uh, I'll be happy to talk to you about where you are in your developer journey if you're just starting or you want to start. And we can take you to a place of success. All right. Thank you so much, Phil. We will definitely catch you the next time. And I'll still be following you on Twitter. I I love to follow your information. Awesome. Thank you. Listen, thanks very much for having me. No problem at all. The Too Rich to Miss Podcast.